Yeah, I mean, you can always sell them, but you know, the idea is to try to get them not to do that, right, for, for the kids. So you, you might not want to let your kids know that you could sell them. But yeah, I mean, there's always going to be a way out. If somebody comes to me and says, look, I've got these LP shares, I really need the money, um, something's happened, you know, Lord forbid, some health issue or whatever, we're going to try to help them find someone new who's going to buy those shares from them, right? But yeah, the, but the goal is not to be selling it, and we don't want to force a sale of the whole property for one person, right? So. Welcome to the Freedom Chasers podcast, where we bring you interviews and discussions that share the stories, successes, goals, and dreams of real estate agents and real estate investors pursuing a life of purpose and freedom. All right, guys, today we're on with Maria Donovan, and there is going to be so many cool things we're going to get to talk about today, one of which is her passion for syndication. This is the built buying of a large apartment complexes for the purpose of helping people that have autistic children to have places for them to live, to have money for them to live off of, you know, after they're gone. And so there's so many cool things to the story. And there's so many things we could dive into, Maria, about your success in business with franchises and, you know, real estate investing, et cetera. But as always, take us like, what is the craziest real estate experience or trans transaction you've faced so far in your career? Um, gosh, there's a tie between two of them. Um, I'll, I'll give you the cliff notes on one and then I'll, I'll go a little deeper on the other just because they're both worth sharing. So I live in Florida and we have crazy hurricanes here. And we yeah. had a deal where we were trying to close on two properties while a hurricane was barreling down on us. So the banks are closing wow. down and we're trying to get the money wired. The title company doesn't want to come in. The insurance company doesn't want to insure the properties because there's a hurricane coming right at us. And um, meanwhile, the seller has to close right there and then or the whole deal is going to fall apart. And just the wrangling it took to get all those entities to come together and say, yeah, we're going to do this thing. And we managed to get them both closed. So really proud of that. Yeah. But it was crazy. And literally the windows were shaking on the title's office as we're closing this, this thing. So part of the fun of living well, in Florida. <laughs> so. Yes. Well, and I've been to Florida right after the aftermath of some hurricanes. And it's crazy. Walk us through like, what steps was it like determination of your voice? Was it a strategy? How did you overcome the hurdle? I, I think it was just sheer determination that this is going to happen. And um, some of it was, you know, the closing had been pushed for a lot of reasons that had nothing to do with us. So I was like, just laying shame on people. <laughs> like, hey, mm -hmm. we're here because of you. So you're going to make this happen kind of stuff. Um, and, and just finding people that are cooperative and, you know, we had really good relationships with our bank. You know, it's, it's really important before you're in a situation like that, that you've laid the groundwork and you've established good networks and good relations with people. That's just all very powerful. So sometimes you have to call in some favors and, and some of that came into play there. So love it, which obviously speaks to the relate, the value of relationships and, and building those over time. Absolutely. So I want to get right into the meat of what I think makes your story unique and special, which is that you are the mother of an autistic child and that's become a passion point. So take us into a little bit about what it was like, what it is like being in that situation and wh where you're taking it from there. Okay. Yeah. So, um, my oldest son, Carl, he's now 22. Um, and he's my big why, you know, he's the reason I, I can do this 60, 70 hours a week if I need to, right? Because I'm very concerned about his future. So, and there are a lot of parents in this boat right now because one in 44 children in the United States are diagnosed with autism. So, I mean, that's like a staggering figure and 
people can't even picture like how crazy that is. And, um, and it's quite the adventure, you know, you start off just how do they cope, teach him some of those basics that, that come naturally to other kids and what therapies do you need and who's the best at this and what school are we going to go to and just dealing with school overall. And then as they progress, you start thinking more long-term, like what does their future look like? And then when you start looking at the statistics, then you just, well, you find yourself just crying all the time <laughs> because, you know, 75% are unemployed, just completely unemployed, even the very high functioning autistic individuals. Autism is a big spectrum. So you've got everything from kids who can't even communicate, they can't talk, to kids who are like genius level. Um, but regardless of where they fall on that, employment is super hard because one thing they all have in common is really poor social skills. And we're just talking about the importance of networks and laying relationships, like they can't do that. Oftentimes in businesses, you see the people who are promoted aren't necessarily the smartest and the best at what they do, right? It's the ones who knew how to schmooze the boss. <laughs> There's no exactly. schmoozing. Yeah, social skills is is their biggest thing. So then you start thinking about you know, what what's the future going to be like for them? Most of them live with their parents their entire lives. And what if something happens to me as a parent or to dad? I mean, luckily, we're both married and healthy and everything's good in our world right now. A lot of people aren't in that position. A lot of people have lost a parent or they're in poor health or but all of us at some point we're going to go. And then what happens to that kid? So that started, uh, you know, really getting into my brain. And, and so that's kind of where, where I got into the whole autism housing. But to back it up a little bit, like, what's it like to be that parent? Well, it's constant worrying, but it's also fun in ways. I mean, they're just so honest, um, sometimes embarrassingly honest, but lying is not in their vocabulary, right? So they they can just make you smile by just calling you out on stuff or I'm obsessing over something and they'll just call it to to the truth right like just bring you back down to earth and and uh, and make you smile at the silliest things you know so and po and probably cause a lot of pain too right because when things are positive you know they're telling you the truth from their from their paradigm that's true that's true yeah and and they'll call you out on stuff too when you realize you're just being a jerk or whatever. Um, they're gonna right. call like they, they're they're not worried about saving your feelings. Um, the problem is they do all that stuff with strangers too, and there's no filters. Right. So in in public situations, it can be really embarrassing. You know, I, I think every parent, regardless of whether there's special needs or not, have been embarrassed at some point at the grocery store or in a restaurant where their kid just throws a tantrum. You know, that kind of stuff happens kind of all the time. And I think what makes autism a little unique versus some of the other special needs is you can't see it. Like autism doesn't have a look. Like if you think about um, Down syndrome, you know, you, you can tell. So other people around you kind of give you that knowing look, okay, we get it. You know, there's, there's something else going on here. It's not just that you're a terrible parent, which I've had people tell me I'm a terrible parent um, just because of things they assume, right? right. I mean, my son yes. looks like anybody else. And so <laughs> when it looks like he has no manners, they assume I haven't taught him right. Bad parenting. Yeah. 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 So there's a lot of judgment. So I want to get into a philosophical question with you. So having a son that speaks his mind, mm -hmm. like I've often thought like, would the world be a better place if we just said what we thought? Now you get a little glimpse into that world. Like, what do you think? Do you think 
that there are things about that that the world should adopt? Or what's your take? I, I would actually love it, um, but I don't think we realize how strong our filters are. Like everything we're we're saying, we're thinking about first. There there are zero filters. And that's really how you get to the brutal truth. And there are things that I have changed in my personality based on things he said to me. Like, oh, I really that, do do that. You know, like. That's um, incredible because personality is so hardwired. It feels like into who we are. Right, right. And um, so, so, I mean, I think the world would be a better place if we could do that. But you'd have to be willing to accept that. Like emotionally, it can be hard. So I can give you a. Funny, not so funny um, example of, of a public situation where um, honesty wasn't, well, it, it was honesty and curiosity, but they're sort of the same thing in a way, you know? So if, um, if someone's curious about something, but they think it might not be appropriate to discuss, they might keep it to themselves. Well, my son doesn't have those filters. We're at a Denny's restaurant and the server comes up to us and she's a very large woman. And... Um, he's just curious like he he had never seen someone that large and so he just flat out says how did you get to be so fat <laughs> now that is something i don't think you'd ever say to somebody and i certainly wouldn't right. and as a parent right. i'm just mortified yeah. and you, you can tell by the look on her face which facial expressions is something else he can't read so he doesn't even know he's offended her so he doesn't know to stop which is the other key right so, but you can see on her face, like this, this kind of hurt her and she was embarrassed and, but she's trying to do her job and, 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 um, be professional. So she proceeds to kind of ask what our drink order is, but she kind of ignores him. Um, and then he goes, and you're also really, really dark skinned. I don't think I've ever seen a black person as black as you. So, I mean, right there, you commented on two things, right? Somebody's body size and the race. All in one foul swoop. And that was just too much for her. She walked away, refused to serve on us, got somebody else. I really just wanted to leave the restaurant. Um, yes. But that was just a Monday, you know, that, and after a while, you kind of become immune to it. You stop explaining things. I did go explain to her, you know, my son's got autism. I'm sorry, he has no filters, blah, blah, blah. But it doesn't help the fact that she now feels self-conscious about her weight, because obviously yeah. people notice it. The rest are just too polite to say anything. And that is that she's particularly dark skin. I mean, that's going to be in her mind. And I can't apologize for that. I can't do anything that's going to make that right. Um, and, yeah. and so for a long time, I would feel really bad when things like that happen. And I think there are parents who probably stop going into public places when things like that happen. And that's the worst thing you can do for these kids because they're never going to learn what's socially appropriate or inappropriate unless you expose them to those things. So we were able to explain it to him after the fact. Here's what you don't do. Here's what you don't do. And he can understand that and he won't do those exact same things again, but he can't generalize. That's, that's another thing they don't have. They can't generalize that to another situation. Maybe next time it's someone who's like extremely skinny, emaciated. Maybe it's because they're sick and they have cancer. And, and, you know, so he's like, okay, I know I shouldn't tell someone they're fat, but maybe I should ask why they're so skinny. <laughs> like he won't generalize <laughs> right. That, right? So yeah. we have to, as parents always think about, okay, it's not that they're fat. It's, it's, we don't talk about people's body shapes. We don't talk about, you know, mm. and, and here's why it can make people feel self-conscious or there could be a personal issue that's going on that they don't care to share with you. Maybe there's a genetic issue. Maybe there's an illness, all this kind of stuff. So you have to really get down to the specifics whereas another child might just pick up on, okay, Ooh, and I saw that facial expression. I won't do that again. 
as a parent for an autistic child, it's very different. It's very different. But you can't stop exposing him to the real world. And the real world's going to hurt him back. You know, she was kind in that she walked away. Someone else might have smacked him. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Exactly. So. So talk to me about your development through this. You talk about changing a personality. And obviously this is personal. So feel free to, you know, share or not share. But what are some of the things that has made you more equipped for the business world or prepared you for life as a result? Um, Definitely get more thick skinned. Um, Things that used to be scary aren't scary anymore because you've dealt with so many other things. You learn to be an advocate for your child because you find out pretty quick that the school systems are ill-equipped to deal with these kids. And if you don't advocate for them and really speak up, they get walked over, they get ignored, they get put in some kind of classroom where they don't belong. So you learn that advocacy role and that spills over into business. You know, you learn to speak up. You don't just hope that things are going to be okay. So you're learning skills like that. Um, You're learning to laugh at yourself. I mean, constantly, constantly learning to laugh at yourself. Um, And you're learning not to take things so serious, not to agonize over things forever. And all of that can help you in the business world, really. And, And learn to be clear clear with directions and that really helps with employees and and business partners and all of that so if you got time for another fun story i'll give you this one so yeah please yeah Yeah, and then and then i want to dive deeper into the clarity piece yeah yeah so um um, you know trying to be a good parent you want to teach your kids to do chores right so both our kids have always had a lot of chores their whole life and as they get older they uh they have to take on more responsibilities and more difficult things well, he got to the age where it was like, okay, he can, he can start taking out the garbage. So I said, I need you to take out the kitchen garbage. And he goes, okay, so tell me exactly what you want me to do. I said, I want you to take the garbage that's in the kitchen. I want you to bring it into the garage to the can. And then I want you to roll that can to the sidewalk. And I'm thinking, I'm being pretty clear. And if I said that to you, I, I bet you understand what the, the mission here is, right? Yes. Yeah, we'd have conquered it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I go do some work and come back and I'm like, oh, it's been a long time. He usually tells me when he's done with the chore. And uh, I mean, it's been a long time. And finally he comes in. He says, mom, I'm finally done. That is a gross job. I can't believe you and dad do that every week. I'm thinking, what? Well, he did exactly what I said. He took the garbage, not the garbage in the bag. He took the individual pieces of garbage out of that trash, carried each one, one individually one. into the garage, filled up that can with all that nasty garbage. Instead of just pulling that bag out, tying it, I wasn't specific enough. So I have learned to give very specific instructions. And if it doesn't get done right, that's on me. And so you learn to take a lot of responsibility. And so does that carry like... I mean, because in a sense, like you have like these two different competing thoughts. You have like, man, that type of clarity can help in the business world. And it can also be patronizing or that type of thing. So there's a line. How how does that translate into the business world? Yeah. I mean, you don't want to become a micromanager. You don't want to look over somebody. But if I have a task that needs to be done a very specific way, then I'm going to get down to those details. But I'm going to write out like a scope, a scope one time, right? It's not going to be, because that's easier to put it down piece by piece instead of always having to correct people and go back. I think that's more patronizing. If I'm always saying, Matt, you, you did it wrong. What I had envisioned was this. Well, you didn't tell me that. What you said was, right? So if I've really laid it out, then I can say, well, you know, he missed step three. 
Right. So I found it um, been very helpful with virtual assistants. If anybody uses virtual assistants, which I do, um, there are a lot of things that we make assumptions about in all, our culture that doesn't translate to them. So you have to be very specific and it helps to have it written down and show an example of it. So, you know, I might record a Loom video showing how I do something so they can always refer to that and send that to them along with some written instructions or point them to a website that, hey, I want my website to look like this. You know, I want these very specific things. Here's what I like about this site, what I don't like. Build me a website that has these features, but not this. Um, so I've, I've learned to do that versus go build me a website. Uh, you know, I'd like three tabs that have X, Y, and Z, right? But not specific, like what should those tabs look like? What font should I be using? What, you know, there's so many things that go into those. So um, I think it's really helped specifically with something like that. Yeah. So take us into the building of your real estate empire, you know, between, I mean, I know you've been in a lot of different, different things, but I specifically, let's start with the syndication part and how you're setting this up and how that aligns to, you know, to your son and to your passion. Okay, sure, sure. Yeah, so like most people, started in single family world, figured out what a headache that was, um, had my life threatened, had tenant issues, all sorts of problems, right? Moved over to multifamily first on my own, um, just buying apartment complexes for myself. One, make sure I knew it before I go syndicate and bring in friends and family. You know, it's one thing if I lose my money, if I lose my dad's money, like, whew. <laughs> That's, that's not okay with me. Not good. Um, yeah. 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 So, so I kind of learned and practiced that way. Um, and then as I saw the power of this and, and how, what the real returns were and how, how much faster wealth grows that way than, than single families, um, I was kind of hooked, but I also felt like more people should know about this. And can this help people that have special needs kids that are worried about that future? You know, how do we set up those kids? And what I see in, is most people in the syndication world, um, they do some heavy value ads and then they resell really quickly, right? And you, you get that big cash out, but then now you got to find a place to put that money again and reinvest. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And it's a great way to build your wealth while you're here. But if you want to leave wealth for your future heirs and particular kids that may not know anything about investing, then long-term investments are kind of the way to go. So I th started thinking like, how can we integrate the two? How can we make people good money, but set it up in such a way that people can have something they can leave for with the future? So we started doing that and we're actually doing that with um, housing for adults with autism as well, because that's going to be a forever hold. And then before we dive a little bit deeper in that, can you explain, because there might be a lot of people watching this or listening Sorry. to this that don't understand syndication. So if you can give us a super high level view of what is syndication, how, how does it work? And then keep diving back in. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So syndication, all that is, is basically a bunch of people pull their resources to go do something bigger and greater than they could do on their own. Right. So if I want to take down a hundred unit apartment complexes, chances are I don't have enough money in my bank account to do that. Um, so we just get a group of people together that pool their funds to come up basically with just the down payment on it. It's not like you have to buy the whole thing because the bank's still going to give you probably 75-ish percent of, of that, right? So then we go and we get the loan and then we split the profits. Basically, that's it. So you have a team that are called your general partners. They're going to manage the property and do all the, 
all the work, basically. And then you have your limited partners who basically just put in money and let us do the work. But we again, we're splitting the profits. So it's a great way to be able to own real estate and not get bogged down with tenant issues and all those decisions and sourcing it and all, all that goes into doing real estate right. So you don't have to be an expert at it to have your money grow and get these really high returns. Yeah, and a lot of so syndications like a formal entity structure that happens and and so that there's real clear rules as to what can happen with the money, where it goes, et cetera. And so a lot of syndications are generally structured in a way where they buy a property, they fix it up, they get maximum rents for it, then they sell it five yep. to seven years later. Everybody gets their money back plus the profits. Exactly. But you're I think structuring yours a bit different, right? Yes. Yes. So the first part of that all works the same. Um, but then instead of selling it, so it, it does depend. We do do some of those, okay? Because you always want to have a mixed portfolio. No matter what you're doing, you want to be in, in a multitude of things. But then some, when you get to that five, seven year mark, instead of selling it, we'll refinance the property. So we still give you your money back, or at least most of it, maybe it's 75, 80%, but oftentimes it can be 100% of your money comes back. And then you retain ownership and you just cash flow after that. And you can do that indefinitely. And as we all know, rents are forever going up, right? Rarely do you hear, oh, rents have really decreased, right? So the income forever is increasing. The loan's getting paid down. And so with time, that cash flow gets higher and higher and higher. And you can then pass that on to your heirs. So statistics have shown us that, you know, people, a lot of people build a lot of wealth and they think they're going to bring that down. It's going to be this legacy wealth for their families forever down the line. But we show that 80% of wealth is lost by the second generation yep. because they didn't know how it was made. They didn't know how to invest. So one of my sons is really into the real estate world. I have no doubt that I could leave him money. He'd know how to reinvest it. He'd know how to do these quick turns and all that kind of stuff. But that's probably rather rare. My other son would be like, cool bunch of money <laughs> let's go to disney world <laughs> and exactly. uh, probably be gone pretty quick so you know we set up special needs trusts we structure our will in a particular way all this kind of stuff and um and then we leave long-term projects like this where he can just get that cash flow forever he, he won't have the option really to cash it out and uh and go to disney <laughs> but he'll have that money yeah. to support his living his food you know whatever he needs so it could potentially be a good option for somebody who really needs long-term income, indefinite income for somebody who will not at any point be able to care for themselves. That's right. So walk us through, like, just out of curiosity, like, so for, well, let's call them, not, not legal term, of course, but let's call them forever syndications. Yeah. When, when the GP, the people running the show of finding and doing all the work, when they go on to not want to be GP anymore, or they pass away, is it structured in such a way where like a committee or... Like how, how does the GP continue, uh, you know, after the original GP is not there anymore? Right. Yeah. So you build all that in on the front end. So there's always buyout clauses for the remaining GPs to buy them out or sell those shares. Um, you could offer them up to some of your LP investors if you have enough people that are still running it. Right. But you need to make sure the seats stay full. You need someone who's doing your asset management. That's the most important one. Right. So if that person doesn't want to be in it anymore, you have to find someone else that does. And so you just have to write that out legally. Like if you are out either because you want to be out 
or something happens to you, what's the mechanism for, for taking that over, right? And there are a lot of different ways to do that. I'm not going to get into all the legal structure, but yeah, you put it in writing right from the beginning. Everybody has to agree on it. It's like, yeah, this is a forever hold and that goes beyond us, right? And we have to have qualified people in that seat. So the remaining GPs will always make the decision on if a new GP is coming in, are they qualified to do so, right? So everybody has to agree on that. Anybody that's staying in the deal. And the new GPs, they'll still have to abide by all the same rules that were set up in the original syndication and, yeah. uh, and continue that on. So when you structure these, are you structuring them in a way where someone has to be an accredited investor to be able to invest or? We like to do a 506B and then convert over to a 506C. So for your listeners who aren't familiar with that, with 506B, you do not have to be an accredited investor, but you do have to know someone on the GP team and you have to be consider a sophisticated investor, meaning you do have to know what you're getting into. You have to understand the risks and rewards of real estate. You have to have some knowledge of what you're getting into and you have to have known them before this deal came available. Like they can't have heard about this deal through some whisper and, uh, and then come and say, Hey, I want to be part of that. Um, so you have to have a substantial relationship with one of the GPs. Um, but that does allow an avenue in for friends and family. So in particular, I know a lot of families that have special needs kids because I've been in that world for a long time and not all of them are accredited investors, but they might want to get in on something like this. So that allows them to do that. It's a little harder for us as a syndicator to always find enough investors if you just stayed there though, because it doesn't allow for some of those um, folks that have a greater net worth that could maybe put more money in all at once. And it doesn't allow for us to advertise. So for that reason, once we fill the 35 slots that you can have um, as sophisticated investors, you can have unlimited um, accredited investors, even in mm -hmm. 506B. Once we filled those slots, then we basically give notice that we're no longer 506B. We are converting over to 506C. And um, so we cannot accept anybody there, even if we didn't fill the slots, let's say we filled 20 of them and we decided that's it. We need the rest of our time to go public with this and open up the doors wider or whatever. Um, so once we, once we close that door though, you can't reopen it and you can't start with 506B and then flip it. It has to be B first and then C. So then we go over to accredited only. Now we can push it out on social media. We can broadcast, advertise it to fill whatever slots we have left. So we actually like to do a combination because I do want to get those people in, the people I really need it. Because there's so many families out there that have autistic children that, or, or just any special needs that this would benefit, but maybe they're not at that status. They don't have the net worth or right. the recurring income high enough to get yeah. into it. So, and, and regular yeah, kids too. I mean, some are just terrible with money. And the parents right. just know that as soon as I'm gone, this, this, this money's going to be squandered. So it's a way to kind of lock it up and make sure that they can't. Yeah. You have yeah. to structure your As will and your trust and all that kind of stuff appropriately too, but yeah. And you could even have like, okay, so let's say that's a portion of, of the assets, then they could have some money manager manage when and how those LP shares continue or not. Right. So if, if, uh, you know, what about the future generations beyond that? Like it, it's something where those LP shares could be sold if there was someone that had the right uh, permissions, I guess you would say, to be able to do that? Right, right. Yeah, I mean, you can always 
sell them, but you know, the idea is to try to get them not to do that, right? For for the kids. So you, you might not want to let your kids know that you could sell them. But yeah, I mean, there's always going to yeah. be a way out. If somebody comes to me and says, look, I've got these LP shares. I really need the money. Um, something's happened, you know, Lord forbid, some health issue or whatever. We're going to try to help them find someone new who's going to buy those shares from them, right? Take their spot. But yeah. yeah. The, but the goal is not to be selling it. And we don't want to force the sale of the whole property for one person, right? So, yeah. Totally. Yeah. So what is your vision for your life and business the next 12 to 18 months? Okay. So I started a nonprofit called Valhalla Villas, and that is to build housing for autistic adults. And it's not just housing. It's the services that they need too, because that's one of the reasons they're living with their parents is because they need certain services. A lot of them don't drive. Um, I think it's less than 50% that drive. Um, you know, they have a lot of trouble keeping employment like we talked about. So employment coaching services and, and things to help them get employed as well as employment on the complex itself. So in the integrated communities, for example, where there's both autistic and what we call neurotypical, or you might say normal people live together, Maybe they provide dog walking services or pet sitting when people go out of town, for example, something like that. Um, so we tried to provide employment opportunities. The socialization is huge. So they already have problems with social skills. They have tremendous difficulty making friends. So one of the things they struggle with is loneliness and thereby depression, which doesn't help with the job front and all those other issues, right? It just snowballs. Um, so by having the same type of individuals living in that community and having structured social activities. Hey, we're going to do Friday movie pizza night and, um, you know, whatever it is, right. Uh, pool party on, on Sunday, get people involved, integrated. They don't get as lonely because the suicide rate is sky high in this population as well. So that's something else mm. we want to prevent. So it's not just housing it's services as well. And so, yeah, so the vision is to have at least one, a uh, large apartment complex for this in every state in the country. And in the next 18 to 24 months, I think is what you were asking about. We want to complete central Florida and then move to Atlanta. Atlanta's the, the next target where I know there's a big, big need for this. Very, very cool. Which this sparks another question. When you have, you know, autistic people or children hanging out together, and there's just an unlevel, un, you know, huge level of honesty. Like, what is that like? How do they interact in that way? Is it is it like it's so freeing for them? Uh, what's it like when when everybody you know is at that level of honesty? It's definitely a more relaxed environment for those individuals because they don't have to worry about judgment. You know, they they get judged by everybody, right? Those people aren't judging. And they also know they're not offending anybody by the things they're saying because they, they all understand that, right? So, so they do have that concept. Um, it, it's interesting to watch the dynamics. Um, so, for example, my son just recently had a reunion with his high school group. And, uh, you know, this is a small group of kids that have gone to school for a long time together because they were in a special needs school together. So um, they know each other really well. Everybody's very excited to see each other. The excitement grows the closer you get to the event. They get to the event and they're all talking on top of each other about different subjects. No one's listening. That's completely normal. Nobody judges it. Um, so like I said, they're super excited to be there. But then within 20, 30 minutes, everybody's sitting in their own corner. 
because they can only handle socialization for a limited time, small bursts. And then they all separate and no one's like, oh, well, he's dissing me. He's over there and she's, she's sitting over here. You don't get any of that. There is no judgment. They all understand. Okay. Whew, need to decompress for a little bit and then they'll come back together and it all starts over again. And then 20 minutes or so later, they're all in their separate corners. So it's sort of interesting dynamic to watch. Yeah, that is so, so interesting. Tell us if you had a billion dollars in the bank and a hundred lifetimes of cash flow, like what would your life look like? I think I would dedicate it 100% to this kind of thing um, because the need is just growing and growing. The rate of autism is astronomical. We're having to focus on the higher functioning autistic adults first because, um, well, frankly, it's the easiest group to get to some sort of independent living first. But if I had unlimited funds and unlimited time, I would have communities that could address every level of autism. Obviously, when you get to very severe ones, you're talking maybe even nursing care type of level. So it's, it's a very different type of structure. But it would be great to be able to provide that for everybody because regardless of where on the spectrum they are, the parents are, are worried and, and, and they need this. And yes, there are group homes and things like that that can handle them. But to my knowledge, there's no place that just specializes in autism. And it's a very different kind of training. So I would love to just do that um, until the need is met, if that's even possible. Maria, thank you so much for your passion, for your love of people, for making the steps and attempts and buying these properties and in an effort to help help solve the problem. So that's super, super exciting to see. Guys, if you're out there listening and you can take away anything from this episode, whether it's maybe more truth in the world would be good. Maybe it's learning how to handle communication on a clear way to help your staff or to even help your organization thrive. Whatever it is, write it down, share it with somebody knows so they can hold you accountable because freedom is acquired one action at a time. And as you take steps day by day towards freedom, before you know it, you'll be living a life of freedom and purpose. Thank you guys for tuning in and we'll catch you on the next episode.